Someone asked me on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, how do you deal with the guilt and the shame that so often accompany depression? That's not a simple question. So rather than making that a real, I thought I'm going to take that one onto the podcast and talk about it there. I don't necessarily have one single answer to this question. There, there's not one single tool that I can teach you that's going to simply eradicate or erase all of your guilt and all of your shame. But there is something I can teach you that I think will take a pretty good sized chunk out of it. But in order to teach you this tool, I have to explain a little bit about the human brain's uh, learning process first, because you need to know where this stuff comes from to know how to get rid of it. So the reason we need to talk about learning in the context of guilt and shame is that guilt and shame are learned. These are feelings that come from thoughts or beliefs that we internalize. Sometimes we internalize these things because other people have said them to us. Sometimes we internalize them because we overinterpret certain experiences while underinterpreting other experiences. Sometimes we internalize them because we repeat a message to ourselves in our heads over and over and over again. And things like depression and anxiety certainly make it easier to do that. But I want to make sure you understand this isn't just the domain of the depressed and the anxious. Everybody deals with this kind of stuff to some degree, although depression and anxiety and really probably any mental health condition uh, can certainly exacerbate these feelings. But we have to learn to feel guilty. We have to learn to be ashamed. We are not born with any of these feelings. And so someone or something has to teach them to us. And there are situations where guilt is an appropriate response. Sometimes we do something that we need to not feel great about. But there are so many of us out there walking around with feelings of guilt and shame that are unwarranted. We've learned things that are not true. And we have feelings based on this knowledge. For those of you on the podcast, that knowledge was in air quotes because we can learn anything, whether it's true or not. So many of these feelings are based on that knowledge, even when it is not true or correct. Our brains can lie to us. Our brains can repeat and record messages that have no basis in reality. So here's how we learn. And there's, there, I'm going to break this down into two, uh, two kind of categories. How you learn as a, as a young person and how you learn as an adult, because they are different processes. As an adult, and I'm assuming most of you listening to this probably are adults or at least older adolescents, you hear some idea for the first time. Never heard of it before. You have no frame of reference for, for this concept being a thing. Very first thing that happens to a brand new idea that you've heard for the first time is it hits your critical thinking which is a, a function that happens in the prefrontal cortex. In other words, someone tells you something you've never heard of. And basically the first thing that happens is, is you think to yourself, does that make any sense? Does that, does this thing that this person has just told me match other experiences that I've had in life or other concepts that I consider factual? Does this idea have internal consistency? Does it even make sense within itself? Or are there contradictions or paradoxes in this thing this person has just told me? Basically, you check it out. You don't just instantly, you know, as a 30-year-old person, someone says something to you, you don't just instantly go, oh, 
Cool. Got it. That's a fact. You consider it first because you have the ability to do that because your brain is mature enough to engage in that process. When you're a kid, you don't have critical thinking. Not really, anyway. You have a, a little bitty shred of that. You don't really have the neurological maturity to assess whether something someone has said to you makes sense or not, or, or is true, or is valid, or is legitimate. So pretty much anything that people say to you when you're young, and, and when I say say to you, I'm using this term very generally, right? So this could literally be someone saying like, you are worthless, but it doesn't have to be. We also learn by the way we're treated, right? So if someone treats us like we're worthless or stupid or ugly or whatever it may be, they don't ever have to say those words to us. Like you may have never actually heard whatever your most limiting belief is, whatever your most painful source of guilt or shame is deep down inside, you may have never actually heard those words spoken to you. That could simply be your interpretation of how people treated you. They don't have to say it to teach it to us. But when you're a kid, you don't have that filter of critical thinking. Everything gets in. And we don't have the ability to, to put the brakes on and say, does that make any sense at all? What, did I really deserve to be treated that way? Was it fair that he said that to me? We, we, we don't know how to do that. Our brains do not have the capacity to do that. So we soak everything up and it all gets in. Good and bad, it all gets in. And a lot of the times, it you know depends on what our environments were growing up, what, what was our family of origin like? What was our friend group like? What school did we go to? That's kind of what determines what we take in. Like that's why that's why kids can. You know, if any of you listening have like spent a lot of time around younger kids, you know you you can say some really goofy stuff to them, and 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 they don't realize you're kidding. You can tell them that uh, you know like you invented cheese or something, and they're like, oh my gosh, like tell me more about that. Like how did you invent cheese? You know they don't they don't have the the mental capacity or the life experience to realize like oh that, that doesn't really make sense this person is being sarcastic this person is kidding um and we're supposed to work this way like this this is how we learn because our lives are very complicated and so the 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 flip side to this is once something is considered to be knowledge to your brain which again, when you're a younger person, doesn't take very long for this person to, to for, or not for this person, for this idea to basically get past the barrier of your critical thinking and get encoded into your brain as a factual, you know, known piece of information. Once it gets in there, we stop fact checking it. So think about, think about, okay, the fact that I'm speaking to you right now, I don't know how many words I've said right now, I probably said like a thousand words, right? I don't have to fact check every single word that I'm saying. I don't have to engage my critical thinking brain for every sentence that I'm saying to you and make sure it's the correct sentence and that it makes sense. Because these are things I've said many times before. These are things I've, I've learned in my life. If you had to double check like every single word you say in your brain or every single action that you'd take, like reaching for a pen on the table, if you had to engage critical thinking about that and think, hmm, is that is that really how I, is that even a pen? 
Is this really how I pick up a pen? Do I even need a pen right now? Do pens even really exist? I mean, just, I know it sounds ridiculous, but we, we're designed to learn things and then not have to think about them anymore so that we can learn new things and basically just keep stacking all these human skills on top of one another. And that's why we as humans can do all this crazy stuff that other mammals can't do because that's how we learn. But that has a downside because that means anything that we think we have learned through and, and, and we learned simply through repetition, right? So the more times you're exposed to some certain idea, the more times you hear something or feel something or think something, the more your brain says that's real. That's, that's knowledge. That's fact. I know that to be true. When our, when our brains are young, we substitute repetition for validity because we don't know how to assess validity yet. So we use repetition as a proxy. So the more you hear something, the more true it feels. And that is how we're designed to work. That's not, that's not a symptom you know, of depression or anxiety. That's, that's not a fault or a flaw that you have. That's how we're built. That's how we're made. And sometimes it's a beautiful, wonderful thing, and sometimes not so much. So as adults, then, every one of us, every last one of us is walking around with some bad ideas in our heads, because none of us have had a perfect childhood. Some of us certainly have had more imperfect childhoods than others, right? But it's not a competition. All of us have some bad intel in our brains, some, some very wrong ideas about ourselves or other people or the world in general. And they, they influence us. They influence how we feel and how we think. And we don't think to, to reassess them. We don't think to fact check them any more than you occasionally go back to the color spectrum, for example, and look at all the colors and be like, is that really, is that red? Is that really green? Is that really blue? Or, or has someone lied to me? Like, we, we don't do that. We consider it knowledge, and we use that knowledge to inform our life and our functioning. But you also do that with knowledge, air quotes again, about yourself. So let me give you an example. Actually, before I give you the example, one last thing I want to say. The skill I'm going to teach you today is essentially a tool to take something that you've learned through repetition that is encoded into your brain at such a deep level that you don't question it anymore. We're gonna take that out, put it up in the front again, put it up in the prefrontal cortex, put a belief into our critical thinking brain and re-examine it as an adult with a fresh unbiased set of eyes and see if based on everything we've learned and experienced between the period of time this belief got in there and our current life today, does it hold up? Does it still make sense or does this seem like some bad intel, some faulty knowledge? I'm going to use myself as, as an example for two reasons. One is I'm the only person here. I don't have a therapy client in the room with me or anything like that. So obviously I have to use myself. But the other is every time I do something like this, um, like an in individual therapy or, or in the, the groups that I run, for example, almost every time people are shocked and they're like, you have thoughts like this? You have... You question yourself, you, you deal with low self-esteem and poor, you doubt yourself. Like, of course I do. Of course I do. Because it goes back to what we were just talking about before. The strength of a belief is not based on the logical consistency of a belief, especially if it's something that got in when you're young. It's based on repetition. And it doesn't go away 
just because you have disproved it. Because you, if, you, if you aren't thinking about that, if you aren't connecting those dots, if you aren't asking these questions, every piece of evidence you gather between the time you learn this and, and your life now will not connect. They will not interact with one another. And you'll have all this contradictory information that says, I'm not this thing I thought I was. And then this feeling that, nope, I am. I am that thing. And they don't cross. They don't ever meet. And, and so they don't have a chance to like debate with one another, essentially, unless you use a technique like the one I'm going to teach you today. Now, there's actually a lot of ways to do this. This one is my personal favorite. This is not the only way. I do think this is one of the most comprehensive ways to do it. It's something called the judge activity. And it's basically we take an idea that's buried deep in our minds, that's producing a lot of feelings that are difficult for us to deal with, and we put it on trial. So we're going to like take it to a courtroom in our minds and we're going to play the whole thing out and we're going to see if it actually holds up to scrutiny because usually these things don't hold up to scrutiny. So the thought that I'm going to put on trial today for you to kind of witness me doing it is, is the idea that I'm a failure. And this is, this is not some hypothetical I'm random, randomly choosing just to have something to talk about. This is something I deal with sometimes. This this is an actual real example. For whatever reason, I don't actually know how this got in there. I don't have like a certain traumatic memory of failure. I just know that for a, as long as I can remember, no matter what I do, no matter how good I do, I've been walking around with this feeling that it's not enough. It's just, it's just always been, I, I can't trace it back to any particular thing, but it is there. And it is something that I still struggle with every day to some degree. So the first thing you do, well, the first thing you do is you figure out what you're going to challenge. I've already did that. I just told you what that is. The second thing you do is you're going to list off, and, and I would probably do this in a notebook. It's going to be a lot of information, so you're probably going to want to write it down. The second thing you do is you're going to list off all of the things that make you believe that this thing is true. So we're going to start by supporting it. This is basically going to be a debate. So I'm a failure. What helps me believe that? What, what data or experiences or memories do I have that strengthen that belief for me? Well, I haven't owned, I haven't opened my own practice. That's something I always kind of wanted to do as, as a psychologist is also be a business owner, own my own practice. I've not done that. I, I'm an employee. Sometimes that kind of makes me feel like a failure. Um, there's people who make way more money than me, like way more you know, magnitudes, exponentially more money than me. So financially, there are people who make more in a day than I make in a year. I kind of always pictured myself having like a big family. Um, and for various reasons, you know, my wife and I, at least as of right now, are only able to have two children. And although I love them very much and appreciate them, sometimes I see people with bigger families, you know, three, four five kids. And it, and it makes me feel like I'm not doing enough. Like I wasn't able to have or raise more kids. That can kind of make me feel like a failure sometimes. Turning it over to social media, you know, the podcast. What I have, I don't, I haven't checked recently. I think I have about 12,000 followers on Instagram. This podcast, as of right now, gets about three to 350, like 300 to 350 listeners per episode. And again, although I'm grateful for each and every one of those people, I also know like big picture wise, those are small numbers. There's people with millions of followers, millions of listens 
on on their their I was gonna say their Spotify their their podcast uh, recording platform of choice whatever that may be. There's people with millions of YouTube subscribers. I have 250. There's probably people that help way way more people than I do. So every single every single domain that I'm assessing myself on is like is a continuum, right? And on every single continuum, there's people that are so far beyond me that I can't even see them. And in every possible domain, I'm uh, there's people who are in way better shape than me. I look like I'm in good shape. I'm kind of not, to be honest with you. Um, I'm I, I mostly just do weight training. I should I should be more diverse in my training. My cardiovascular fitness is not great. My flexibility is really not great. Like like honestly horrible. Um, just every area of my life that you could think of, I can find a way to twist and manipulate the data and tell you I'm falling short. And if I only look at those things, I mean, even you listening to this might be like, you might hear all those things I just said and be like, Ooh, he has a point. <laughs> He's not doing that great. And if that's all you look at, you only look at those things. And then within those domains, you only look at the people who are beyond you, especially the people who are way beyond you. And there always will be in every possible domain of your life, unless you fully devote your life to one thing. It's easy to think, man, I am just not getting there. I am not doing well. But it's like any debate, right? You hear the first side speak and you think, ooh, that's, they're right. It's the only argument you've heard. Often then you hear the second side and you're like, mm, maybe, maybe they have some good points too. So often in our minds, we don't even do the second part. Like everything I just said, you run through that. Like you probably didn't need my help to list off all the reasons you think you're a failure or whatever. That, that's my example. Yours may be something different. Those are the things you already know. And those are the things that cycle over and over and over again in your mind already. But now we have to do the second part. So the second part is now we're going to switch sides and we're going to find every possible problem with the statement we just made. So in my case, with the idea that I'm a failure, okay, find every possible problem with it and question or challenge every association between this idea and all the evidence you just presented on this other side. Okay. Oh, and one I forgot to mention my book as of right now, has sold like 1,100 copies, which big picture-wise is not that many. So that, that's another one that pops in my head from time to time. Okay, switching sides now. <sighs> so all those numbers I just gave you, like follower count, book sales, whatever, whatever, whatever. How, a lot of people aren't even, haven't even started those things. You know, a lot of people want to have a podcast and never even start. And I'm not, if that's you, I'm, I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. This is just me fighting with my own demons right now, okay? But a lot of people say they're going to do these things and don't even try. Like the majority of people don't have a podcast. The majority of people haven't written a book. The majority of people don't have a professional Instagram account. Even just having these things regardless of how well they do kind of contradicts this idea that I'm a failure, right? Like most people don't even try to do these things. Most people don't even take that first step. 
So regardless of how my efforts or my actions stack up to the people who are like the top in any particular domain, just the fact that I am doing them contradicts this idea that I'm a failure, right? So yeah, it, is, is selling 1,100 copies of a book, does that make me a, a world-renowned author, a New York Times bestseller? No, not even close to it. Does it make me a failure? Absolutely not. If you really think about it, if you really look at this other side, is that not just an utterly ridiculous idea? The book that I wrote and self-published didn't sell enough copies, therefore I'm a failure. But look at all the successes that had to go into that action for me to even get to that point where I could judge the number of copies my book sold. Now, okay, these examples are very specific to me, so I'm gonna to try to generalize this a little bit now. Whoever's listening to this, you have your own version of what I just said. There's some domain or domains in your life where you judge yourself, where you're looking at the people who are at least considered to be like the best of the best in this area that is important to you. And you look at yourself compared to those people and you say, I am falling short. I am not at this level. I'm not good enough. You know, I'm not whatever enough. But look at what you've actually done in this domain, whatever it may be, whether it's your career, your, your family, your self-care, your spirituality, your home, whatever it may be, where did you start and where are you now? How much less could you have done? Could you be so much further behind the point you're at right now that it would make the point you're at right now look impossible to reach? Have you already crushed some of the benchmarks that you once thought were your limits? I, I bet you have. It may not feel like it. You may not realize it because we have this annoying tendency as we get closer to a goal that we once had that seemed like, oh, that's like, that's like the top. That's like my ultimate goal. As we get closer to it, when it starts to feel attainable, we often reset the goal and just move it higher. We just move the goalposts further away because it seems like we're gonna reach it and, and then that's not the goal anymore. We have a really hard time giving ourselves credit for things and saying we've reached the goal. So you, you, keep, you keep listing off things on this side and challenging the associations, okay? So like externalizing is a good way to do it too. If someone else, if I looked up someone else's profile, some random person on Instagram and they had 12,000 followers, would I be like, oh man, they suck. What a failure, what a loser. Who only has 12,000 followers? Absolutely not. I would not think that. That's a special rule I've made up for myself. I'm supposed to have a million or what? I don't even know if I want that. These are just the things my brain does. These are the things my brain does to like twist reality and twist the facts and make me feel like I'm not good enough. When logically, if I really pull back and look at my life, I can see I'm doing pretty good. I know that in my brain. My heart tells me another story though, because my heart doesn't know how to think. It's not literally your heart. It's technically like your limbic system, but whatever. It, it always just says I'm not enough. Keep listing everything you're doing right. Keep questioning or challenging every connection, every association between the stuff over here, between the stuff your brain is using to justify the guilt 
and the shame. Maybe, maybe you have certain experiences over here. This time this person said this thing to me or this, this grade I got on the test or this time that teacher said, I'm never going to mount anything. Or this time my dad said, you know, you're not, you're a failure. You're not, you're not going to get anywhere. One person or maybe two people or maybe three people. We're going to base our whole lives on what a few people said to us. They're the experts. They're the ones who know everything about who we are and who we're going to be. But were they ultimately, despite their title, they may have had some titles to us that suggested that they're very important and very knowledgeable people. Were they? Were the people who told us we were going to be unsuccessful, were they successful? Like, really? Were they? If, if, if you lived the life of the one who criticized you, would you feel like a success? I had some teachers teachers did not help me, <laughs> did not help my self-esteem in many ways. And a lot of teachers who made some pretty bold predictions about my future. We'll leave it at that. If I was them, gauging my own life, gauging my own success from the criteria I have in my own mind, I'd feel even more like a failure than I sometimes do. If the people who put these thoughts in your head are not living or were not living the kind of lives you would want to live, are, have not reached the level you want to reach in the domains in which they are criticizing you, then they are not experts, at least not in the way that you want them to be. They are not living the life that you want. They have not traveled the path that you're trying to travel. Therefore, they are ignorant. They are ignorant on who you are and what you're trying to do. And their words may have seemed very important at the time. But if you really look at them now, nothing. They didn't know you. They don't know you. They don't know what's in your heart. They don't know what's in your mind. And they don't know where you're going. Keep going. Keep challenging. Keep fighting. Keep listing off every win. Everything you've done. This should be a big list. Every achievement, every promotion, every every A on a test, it, it, just, it should be pages and pages long. And at some point, you're going to feel like, that's it. I, I put it all out there. I, I've exhausted all my, all my evidence that I am not a failure. So once you've got both columns, and you've listed off everything you can think of for and against this idea, Step back and, you know, this, the idea, this is the judge. So it's supposed to be like a courtroom, right? Step back and now take on the role of the jury and weigh the evidence on both sides for and against. And pretend for a second that you don't know we're talking about you because you know it's you. And so you're going to be biased. Pretend that this is some other person. And you're just looking at all this stuff that just got presented to you. Now you got to decide. Is this person what they've been telling themselves they are? Is this person a failure? Is this person a loser? Is this person a nobody? Is this person dumb? Is this person ugly? Is this person unlovable? Or is there a pretty small amount of evidence, flimsy, questionable, shaky evidence to support that idea? And is there a much larger 
much more logically sound and much more compelling body of evidence that that statement is untrue. And keep in mind, for that statement to be untrue, you don't even have to make the opposite true. So if I'm trying to challenge this idea that I'm a failure, that doesn't mean that I have to prove that I am wildly successful. That's the opposite. You don't have to prove that the opposite is true. The opposite may not be true. You just have to prove that that initial statement is false. This No, this person is not a failure. This person is doing a lot of things quite well. That does not meet the definition of a failure. This person has many people in their lives who love them and care about them and appreciate them and treat them with respect. This person is not unlovable. This person has achieved many things in life that require them to be bright and hardworking and studious. This person is not dumb. This person is not lazy. They've had moments where they didn't do amazing, as have we all. That proves nothing. So you don't have to prove that the opposite is true. That's a whole nother court date for a whole nother day. You simply have to prove that this overgeneralized, overreaching, broad, black and white statement does not hold up to scrutiny. And it doesn't and it won't. And the more often you do this, this isn't a one and done kind of thing. That's that's the idea I want to leave you with. I, you're not going to do this one time and be like, huh, I've been wrong. I've been wrong for 40 years. I've been carrying around all these feelings I didn't need. They are gone. I am washed clean of them. No, that's it. I'd love to tell you that that's what's going to happen, but it isn't. It's going to take many, many repetitions of, of this idea, of this skill to get these thoughts and feelings out of you. So if you can make time for it, I'll tell you what I do. Do it every day like early in the day, maybe make this part of your morning routine. If you don't have time, get up a little bit earlier. This would be a great way to start your day. Start your day by challenging your most deeply held core belief, the root of the majority of the guilt and shame that you feel. Every morning, pull it out, look at it, shine, shine the brightest spotlight you can find on it and ask every question you can think of about it scrutinize it, criticize it, unravel it, and see if it can hold up to all of that. If it is true, it will. If it's legit, if you are who you think you are, if you're every bit as bad as you think you are, then none of this will do anything. Because it will hold up. But chances are, it only holds up because it was coded with the logic of a small child. And when assessed with the logic of an adult brain, it will not. It will fall apart under the questioning that it has not received. That is my bold prediction. I don't think I've ever seen it not happen. So do it again and again and again until you feel the foundation of your guilt and your shame start to dissolve. And then keep doing it some more until it is gone or close to gone and that is how i deal with my guilt and shame i hope that was helpful see you next time